Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 We're going to talk some about the watchman. And uh, yes, when the ministry of the watchman comes forth. Um, I think what I'll do is I'll get Shannon to give everybody the information, but um, I'll have an opportunity to do a two-hour broadcast on the watchman. And amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. So this has been like 25 years, <laughs> 25 years in the making. <laughs> but uh, it's been a, a long, long push. But finally, uh, people are coming alive and awake. Their eyes are being opened. Uh, to the things involved in the spirit. Uh, so this is a, this uh, television station is located in Augusta, Georgia. And uh, it's uh, called the Watchman Television Station. And that's something. And um, they've asked me to come down. We sent them all the materials, all of our books and all of our teachings and things like that. And so they've asked me to come down for one of their broadcasts. So it will be aired on their TV station. I'm sure it doesn't get this far, but I'll have Shannon to check. It's um, it's They have a webcast, don't they? Yeah. So, yeah, they're on the – they have an Internet webcast so we'll get you all the information of when it'll be aired and all of that and hopefully they'll i know they they tape everything so <clears throat> if they'll let us have a tape that'll be great but uh you know it's pretty exciting because it's been a lot of years that we began this ministry and um some of the things that that you have to realize when you work with God is that you just have to be obedient to what he tells you to do and uh, believe that he is working uh, takes a lot of faith sometimes uh, because you see a lot of people doing things differently and you think well if I make this change maybe things will be different for me whatever whatever but you know you still come back to being faithful to what God has commanded you to do so that's what we're going to talk today about when the ministry of the watchman comes forth and um, <clears throat> kind of get some things stirred up in you and um uh, probably refresh some things. I was reading the, our book on the Watchman again. We probably need to go over that periodically. I probably need to have like a little Watchman refresher course uh, here and there. Um, and sometimes we do take it for granted uh, the call because we it's so much a part of your lives. And, and I know it's a, a big part of my life. In fact, I've pretty much devoted my life to it in attempting to be obedient to God and what He's told me to do um it's it's a costly thing but you have to keep going and you have to realize that god has ordained this uh, for you thank you he's ordained these things for us and uh, he has a purpose in them even if that whole purpose is not yet revealed to us uh, so it does take faith and it does take discipline and it does take an inner knowing that you you are doing the purpose of god that you are in the will and the purpose of God and that uh, there's great peace there when you're doing the will of God. <clears throat> so when the ministry of the watchman comes forth, it comes forth to answer a need on the earth. There's a need on the earth for this ministry. And the the proliferation, I guess I would say, or the great numbers of watchmen that you see now uh, were not there when we started. They weren't there in the 80s. And they weren't there even a lot in the early 90s. 
So in what we have now is a um, a mixture. There's real and there's not real out there. Um, Religion, you will see, runs alongside of the true church. There are two parallel churches here in the earth. And one is based on religion. Which is a natural thing. Religion is natural. God's kingdom is spiritual. And you will, will, will know and you will understand that God cares not what the religious are doing. He's going to do his thing anyway. So his kingdom is not subject to religion. It's not subject to the dictates of man. It's not subject to anything but the king. And those who will obey him, you know, in the earth who are under direction of the king. And so God then will set forth into the earth gifts that are pertinent for the work that needs to be done. In Isaiah chapter 60, in the first verse, you don't have to turn there because you know it by heart pretty much. When it tells you to arise, shine. Your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. That is a watchman call. Whenever you see light in the body of Christ, that is a watchman call. And they are called because of conditions on the earth of gross darkness. And when I say gross, I mean gross. It's bad out there. (laughs) See, as believers, we live kind of an insulated life you know i mean if you if you'll let god lead your life you you live kind of a a protected life and it's there because holiness sets you apart for the use of god so you your protection is there and you can tell by you just look at your life what it was before you met god and sent and you'll know uh the that you are set apart that you are a, a sanctified soul. Hmm? And so when God sets you apart, that means that you live a lifestyle that's different from the world. So when Isaiah 60 talks about gross darkness covering the earth, that means it don't get much worse <clears throat> than it is now. Hmm? Where what's... What's used to be an embarrassment to people is now something to brag about. Mm-hmm. People used to be embarrassed if, if someone was uh, living in fornication. They tried to hide it from what they called decent people. Now the decent people are hiding somewhere because you can't find many of them anymore. Everybody's doing something, some type of sin that they've given their lives over to. And the reason it's it's not noticed as much as maybe it, it should be is because it's so accepted everywhere. It's rampant. Uh, you see it everywhere. You turn on television. And in the common family scenario now is, you know, an unwed mother with a boyfriend. You know, something like that. And so uh, these things, and then when you, then you look at the other extreme, I was sitting there looking at these. Why they mess with them people down there in Texas with all them kids? 
you know, just went in there and take all them people out of there and, you know, look and think they're looking for somebody doing something wrong. And you get the other spectrum of, of crazy religion. So when people see that, they think that's what Christianity is about. You know, I mean, it's, you know, they know it's extreme, but except for the, you know, the goofy way they, you know, have all them wives and kids, they think that's what Christianity really, or anybody who says they love God, that's the way they live. And so there, there's all kinds of extremes of immorality parading either as, as some type of religious experience you know some of it's cloaked in religion some of it's just blatant and some of it's you know a a lifestyle you know the normal lifestyle and so there is there is very little light in the earth folks very little but what light there is is intense light it's intense light just because somebody says names the name of jesus and says they know the lord it doesn't mean that they're people of light doesn't mean anything you have to judge by the fruit and so we've had an onslaught of people who call themselves prophets and then we have the ones that god really has called who carry the light and see what happens when the light comes forth the more darkness there is, the more blinding the light is. And so people will scramble and run for cover from the light. And they'll run deeper and deeper into grosser and grosser darkness. So in order to escape the light, you have to get in very deep darkness. Deep darkness. And I'm talking, you know, preachers that don't want to preach anymore. And are mad at the church and mad at God. You know, they go gay. See, that's gross darkness because they know nobody wants to come and minister to them. Well, let me just do something to make them really leave me alone. You know, that kind of attitude. And so they this this kind of, of a plunge into deep darkness that's hmm? not easy to retrieve people from. That if you try and go to minister to a person, you're met with such resistance that you don't think you have the goods to pull them out. So we just ignore, you know, that we've got qualified ministers that are anointed still. There's still some life of God in them sitting on the sidelines because they, they decided to plunge into gross darkness. And we're too too scared to stick our hand in there and try to pull out because we don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to see what's on the other end of the hand, you know. And so this is is a common thing now. Uh, with with God's people and it sidelines um, many people who are really called of God and so the prophet's ministry then comes to root out the gross darkness first job is to root out to pluck up and to destroy and then to build and to plant the prophets refuse to build on a bad foundation they just keep whittling away and whittling away <laughs> well if it's no good let's blow it up and start over let's dig a hole and start over again because they have a tendency to just beat at stuff that's not right until it's right you know that's how the gift works because God doesn't like compromise 
See, the average person would say, well, what are you, what are you so wound up about that for? Well, it's not God. It's not pure. It's not God. It's not right. We can't build on that foundation. We got to have it right. <laughs> huh? And so when you, when you see this type of, of light, most people will run for cover because most people will, will live with a little bit of the devil. You know, just, well, you know, I mean, it's not that bad. God knows, you know, all of our excuses that we make. And so <clears throat> when watchmen are called, it's because the glory needs to arise. Because God has promised certain things on this earth. And he wants his glory to arise in the earth. So we went from uh, a handful of prophets, true ones, and few of them started to trickle in in the 50s. And, and most of them were in the healing ministry. They didn't, prophecy was not a novelty. It wasn't the novelty that it is now. And the reason that people kind of tend to love prophecy is because the world has set them up for it through horoscopes and stuff. And so they've gotten accustomed to being told their future from darkness. And so now there's this desire in the earth for what they believe is is the real. So the church is open to prophecy, but in a soulish dimension. Because prophecy from God locks you in to obedience to the word more than just you stumbling across it in the scriptures so uh, a a word of the lord kind of locks you into obedience to it before you can move farther in life and i think this is one thing people don't appreciate about prophecy because they just don't believe they think it's just something nice that they're hearing and it's not compelling, it's not directive, and it's not influential in that way. And so we have to always remember that the word of the Lord is there for us to obey so that we can go forward in life. You know, it's not, it's not like, um, oh, well, you're an Aries. And, you know, you like, you like uh, people who are you're, they're gregarious and you're fun-loving and... But see, that's what that's what we get our ears. That's where our ears are tuned to anything prophetic. We think it's like our sign, you know, somebody telling us what our sign is and what kind of person we are. And you say, "Oh yeah, that's me. I'm gregarious and I'm fun loving and I just love these things and you know all these things." And you just have a, a sense of somebody pumped your flesh up and you just walk on. Like you weren't impacted by anything. And so, but the pr- prophecy that comes from God has instruction in it. It has life in it. So it can't be left, you know, on the page like a horoscope and you just know what your sign is and you keep walking. And so when we start to deal in prophecy, true prophecy from God, we will find that there is the good, the bad, the ugly the committal, everything's in that word because God gives complete instruction to his people. 
And so prophecy then comes to bring light and to light a path for people to walk in so that they don't stumble. So, I, you know, I hate it when people run from one prophetic meeting to another collecting prophecies. Because that's so twisted and perverted. You know, like Jesus said, a, w- a wicked and perverse generation seeks a sign. See, that's the wicked and perverse running after words just to ac- accumulate and collect words. See, no good. So when we have the flood of prophets then that came forth in the 90s and in this ne- the new millennium, we had a mixture of people. Some called by God, some called themselves. Hmm? Hello. So we know that in every move of God, there's going to be the true and the false. Now, just because people aren't accurate, it doesn't mean they're false. It's just that some people call themselves. Hmm? And some people are legitimately called by God. And so it's up to the people to discern the difference between the two. So a lot of the work of the watchman and of the people of God has been this great work of discerning what's of God and what isn't of God. Back in the day when when we first when I first started in ministry in the middle 80s, late 80s, you didn't tell anybody you were a prophet. Because the people who were prophets were real ones. You know, God released a few real ones to see, <laughs> like, the you know, the little turtles. I watched the little nature program, you know. I'd lay the turtles' eggs. they lay the eggs of the turtles on the sand. And, you know, they hatch out there. And then they got to beat it back to the ocean before something eats them up. Well, that was <laughs> my life as a turtle. <laughs> You know, and everywhere you went, the different strongmen that controlled the church and controlled the people would challenge you. And they found a way to challenge your authenticity. You know, how come they don't challenge these people to just be calling themselves? Now we got all these long titles for everybody. We got to, you know, title everybody and respect. And they just, you know, it's just a name they hung on themselves. There's no evidence of any of that. You know, in their ministry, but they just call themselves that stuff. But I don't see nobody rushing up in their face asking them, well, well who, who are you under? Who's your covering? Who's your this? Who's your that? Who's your me? They don't ask these false people none of that stuff. Makes me sick. <laughs> but back in the day, there were so few. The few that were out there were probably real. And they received a lot of persecution. So it's like the turtle. Can you make it back <laughs> to the ocean and swim uh, and survive? So back in the day, it was just doing whatever God told you to do and surviving. But in just in 15 or 20 years, it's flipped around so quickly. Everybody's a prophet or a prophetess now. If you can't think of what you call yourself, that's what you call yourself. And they do it because pastors, if you don't have a church and you're just flitting around, huh? You don't not really a soul winner, you gotta be something. Huh? Or they call themselves an apostle. 
just because that title is out there and they figure i take that one just as soon as i take something else huh oh crazy totally crazy no evidence of signs wonders and mighty deeds no evidence of the authority to be sent into a desolate place and begin a work for, for god out of nothing none of that no signs or evidence of any of those offices but yet they have a title but see i'm smart enough i don't argue with them people you want to call yourself that i'll call you that too you know whatever you know but i know the difference between a title a mere title and the real evidence and the fruit of the office and so if if i'm going to connect with somebody in a real way you know in a way where i bring them in and and they speak to the people they're going to be real none of this crazy false stuff so but you know you didn't announce yourself and the the typical prophet would show up at a place and sit in the back row and just be there they just would be there so in this day that we have now gross darkness god is releasing more true but also with the true come the false prophets are not called to give you a word about receiving the world's wealth they are called to bring people to holiness which is the real problem it's always the problem sin is always the problem you know i take issue with some of these people that want to say that you know christians you know are too sin conscious you know no i'd say this if you really repent and you're really sorry you won't be conscious of anything but god so if you're sin conscious something must be wrong somewhere something must be wrong somewhere you're either not confessing and receiving cleansing from all unrighteousness or you don't believe that scripture is there you never read it but we're not too sin conscious folks we just don't do it right when we confess we don't do it when we call ourselves repent we don't do it right huh you really repent to god you know you can get delivered to something major in one day i mean you get down hard serious with getting rid of that thing huh so you don't keep going back over and over quote unquote repenting of the same thing and can't get victory come on folks you then put a flea collar around that sin and just you know <laughs> you know got a little pet carrier for him and he, you know is part of your life so if 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 we are really people who are are holy people we will endeavor to stay in holiness and stay set apart to god so that he can use us and that's our main goal in life now sin consciousness i don't know about that i do know this if you confess your sin if you believe that scripture you walk free of all unrighteousness and the devil can't put that back on you again Hmm? see i'd start rebuking all the people that wanted to tell me my faults all the time 
That's the Holy Ghost job. Unless you're my pastor and I've come to you for some counseling. You understand what I'm saying? Now, if you want to get somebody in the realm of prayer and, and start to help them to get free or whatever, whatever. But that's not our job as believers, folks. Is to tell people how wrong they are. It's never the church's job. Our job is to lead men to repentance. Huh? If I came up to you and told you, Mr. Gary, I don't like the way you dress. Let's get rid of this, this, this. Well, if I don't have no more clothes for you, what good have I done you? At least you had clothes. Huh? Now you don't have none messing around with me. But see, this is the way Christians operate sometimes with one another. We pick each other apart and strip each other of everything and we never rebuild anything in one another. Huh? So, you know, you have to understand that when you're called of God to do a job, you do a complete job and a total job. But you're not called to identify one another's faults unless you are put in a position to counsel and help people. To do better. To get in the will of God. To keep from stumbling. You're, any time that you're, you're observing something in someone that's negative, it should be to help them and not to make yourself feel better that you don't have that flea on you. Huh? So we have to be careful, believers, that when we get involved in things... That we are bringing people to holiness, which means back to God, back to relationship, back to fellowship. Not just you stop doing something because I'm looking at you and I don't like it. And I used to have that sin, but I don't tell you that. And that's why it bugs me so much. I still haven't forgiven myself for being stupid. Huh? And so holiness means that we're bringing people back to relationship with God. You don't get holy without the Holy One. So it's not just a list of do's and don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't touch this. Don't touch that. People know better than to sin when they're sinning. Most of them with half a brain. (laughs) But they have no power. Not to do it, sorry. <coughs> I didn't mean to cough in the microphone. <coughs> they have no power not to do sin. So what the prophet does is calls people to holiness and relationship with God. So we bring them back to God in <coughs> his ways. And when you bring them back to God, then they're empowered to do the right thing. If you bring them just to your rules and regulations, there's no power there. But you bring them to God and they're empowered to obey God. When Samuel the prophet was called, there was such darkness in the priesthood that the sons of Eli were having sex with women in the church. Hmm? In the church. They had turned the church over into their little personal domain. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be careful as believers to always respect the house of God. While doing everything that God wants us to do in his presence. Mm-hmm. See there's a way to conduct yourself in the house of God. <clears throat> that's holy and that's approved to God. 
So there was gross darkness in the church and God called him as a watchman. Watchmen are positioned where God thinks they can be most effective. So Samuel was put right in Eli's house. And God taught him from a young boy how to discern good from evil. You ever see people (coughs) in a dead church or a religious church and they'll eventually leave. And what they report to you is that, you know, all those years I was there, I knew something was missing or I knew something. See, that's discernment that God puts in a person's heart that can override the gross darkness that they're embedded in. Hmm? And so Samuel was in a situation (coughs) of gross darkness. He was learning the ways of God as much as Eli knew He learned what the priesthood was about. He learned how to make the sacrifices. He learned how to make offerings before the Lord. He learned all the the mannerisms and the routines and the traditions. But he had to go to God for relationship. So Samuel... After he his period of time of training under Eli was completed, God began to teach him relationship. I remember God called to him in the middle of the night and Samuel thought it was Eli. <clears throat> Why? Because he had been trained under the voice of authority. So Eli's training must have been correct. Hmm? Because if his voice sounded like the voice of God... Eli must have had enough sense to stay in the spirit and give this boy what was right. Even though he couldn't control his own children, he still knew the right thing to teach people. And he was able to teach. You see it all the time in the church. Sometimes the worst people to to deal with are the preacher's kids. You know, as far as them being obedient and as far as them, they somehow take it for granted you know, that God's going to be there for them because of, of what the parents do. And see, that's kind of a gross deception <coughs> on their part. But that doesn't mean that that minister can't teach other people to come in there. See, it's open to anybody that wants to receive. So then Eli has the job of teaching Samuel because God is going to need somebody there because it's gonna be a, it is a time of gross darkness. And he puts him right in the midst of the darkness. And oftentimes prophets who are called can't understand why their life and their ministry isn't like everybody else. It's not like these people over here and it's not like, well, it's a sign and a witness to people that this is where God wants them to be. Because if it was the same old, same old they could get in the church down the street, they'd be going there. And so often the atmosphere is different. The Labor is different, and the level of commitment is different. When God begins to shape a people and shape a ministry and fashion something, he will do it. The people who are under the the person in charge are fashioned after that person. Yeah, because you have to fit in. 
and <clears throat> when you're being molded and you're being shaped and you're being fashioned there has to be a fit so that you can all cooperate with where the ministry is going and so people who can't stand more than two hour services leave quickly you know now i'm i'm all for a two-hour service if you can work it and god do everything but oftentimes it's just not the case you know it's really not the case and i think it's it's hurt the people of god because it's given us false expectation of the price that has to be paid in in terms of personal development i'm not talking about you know you can't do this you can't do i'm talking about personal development of your spirit how much time does it take you to develop your spirit since your spirit has eternal life and it's going to be a part of you throughout eternity how much time does it take to develop that Well, the question is, how much development do you want? You want none. You want minimal. (laughs) See, but it's really it's up to God to decide. See, we never let God decide what the price is. Price for what? Price for presence of God. Price for the will of God in your life. Price for what God has called you to do to accomplish that. That's that's what we're talking about. So there is a price set on everything. When you when you go to college and you tell those people, well, I want a, a bachelor's degree in so and so, they took four years, and they don't bite their tongue and they don't stutter and they don't sit there and you don't argue back with them. If you want it, that's what you got to do. Well, that's the way it is with God, but nobody ever gets close enough to understand that that's the way He talks too. See, if people in the world can demand that out of you before they'll give you that little piece of paper, huh? what do you think God requires? So God has to set his own price and his own requirement on people <clears throat> for the privilege of serving him, for the equipment to serve and the way to success. So if we try to put God on some kind of schedule or some kind of time limit, we're going to be woefully disappointed. So I just tell people, just get comfortable in his presence. You know, just pull up a chair and learn how to get comfortable because this is your life. The only place there is life for a Christian is in his presence. Well, I don't know if he's supposed to do it. He don't have to do all that. Well, it depends on what you want. Hmm? You want to half do everything in your life? I ask people sometimes, you know, especially if they're close to my eyes, I say, when are you going to give everything to God? When are you really going to commit to anything? Huh? I mean, sometimes you look back on your history of your life. And you think to yourself, you know what? I wasn't really sincere about pretty much anything. I was just going through the motions to see what I could get out of it. And when I got tired of it, I quickly dropped it. Huh? Well, when are you ever going to really fully commit to anything just to see if there may be some difference in your life if you make that turn and make that transition? So it's to me, it's worth it. Now, see, I can say that and somebody else can say something different because they don't think it's worth it. Well, they've never experienced full commitment. You ask people who are celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. 
You understand what I'm saying? Versus somebody who, <clears throat> you know, never stayed married very long, didn't really care about anything. Well, you know, that's different for different people. Well, see, you married a good person. Huh? That's what they always go tell you. <laughs> huh? It's all in who you marry. No, it's all in what you do with what you have. What you do with what you have. So we we have this position in the earth to call people to holiness. Back to separation to God and his ways. Darkness keeps us away from God. So don't be tempted in the darkness to try and grope around and find some fun. Because it's not there. Everything you need is in God. So the prophet, the watchman comes forth to do certain things to help God's people and to help the earth in general. Prophets are the correct office to bridge the gap between the world and the church through the prophecy through the gift of prophecy they bridge the gap between the world and the church you see that in the bible and that has not changed it has not changed where people get in trouble is people in the wrong office try to step up to the prophet's plate and deliver the message to bridge the two of them and they're not able to do it but you do it through the prophetic word now there have been some people who have obtained great favor from God and they have been prophets Billy Graham is one he's an evangelist but he bridges the gap between the church and the world through the office of the evangelist but <clears throat> if you can can understand how his favor operates it has to operate within a certain structure that's comfortable to the world see billy graham is always the one who gives the soft answer you know and the correct answer when you know he's strong in his preaching when he's leading souls to christ but if they said well you know what's going this is going on in the world what dr graham what do you think is god mad at us and he'll skirt the issue huh but prophets will give a direct word from God. And they don't have any control over what they say. And they don't have any control over the answer that God wants to give at that time. So you'll get your most direct answer from the Lord. But they are able to bridge between the church and the world. <clears throat> because God wants to speak to both. And prophets don't have any problem going to people. Who are not in the church. Hmm? See. One way you can tell the truth from the false. Is false people like to mess with church people all the time. And false prophets will stand around in the back of the church. Or in the restroom and want to give you a prophecy. Why don't you go to the White House and tell somebody something. If you, you know. I mean come on. Don't your word go that far. Does God ever give you something from somebody other than the people you see coming in and out of the bathroom? Huh? 
so they mess with church people a lot because church people seem to let everybody get away with everything Mm -hmm. they just do so religion is able to get a niche in every office simply because church people tend to tolerate and not be very discerning Hmm? what we need to do you know when you go anywhere where you you know you don't know where you're going just put tell god put a sign on my back and says don't choose me leave me alone (laughs) so god does have direction for people in the world and he has direction for people in the church as well and prophets really don't care who they prophesy to you know when the unction comes on they give them the word of the lord people who are a little questionable only feel comfortable dealing with church people it's like you'll see people as well god's gave given me a ministry and if you don't let them get in the pulpit they're mad at you but most of their family members aren't saved they're scared to talk to the family they're scared to share christ with them they're scared to do anything but yet they want to run the church well there is a scripture that says if you are faithful over your own house hmm, don't you care about them people out there and if you don't care if your own family goes to hell you certainly don't care about a bunch of strangers sitting in a congregation so come on folks let's get with the program here so prophets that are called in this hour are called to discern and cut through all of this stuff that we have going on that we call christianity and it's high time because it's been brewing for quite a while so now that we've proven that we can't overcome divorce among our leaders we've proven that we can't overcome sexual temptation among our leaders now god has to raise up prophets to come in with a sure word and a quick word so the functions of the watchman who is part of the prophet's ministry is that of the watchman and I believe that's the first office. If your eyes are not open to reveal truth, you're not going to go very far. So you see, oftentimes the first gift that the, the prophet is given is that of a seer. S-E-E-R. And that's the call of the watchman. To begin to discern what he sees. And to begin to see the future of whatever God shows him so really the watchman's call begins with a vision you will see over and over again in the Bible that God would show the prophet something especially when he was brand new you saw it in Ezekiel you see it with Jeremiah and God tells me tells them tell me what you see why do you think he does that <laughs> huh? because they're seeing and they're seeing huh? and he wants to be sure that this person can accurately report and discern what he sees according to the spirit so God trains the watchman to stay with the spirit in seeing and also in reporting what he sees 
Because if you can't report accurately what you see by the Spirit, then you have to still be trained. And some people never see anything. They never get a check from God as to what they see. But God has to validate your gift by assuring you that you've seen accurately. And so you'll see many times prophets who are, are their gift is, is just getting birthed in them or just getting matured in them. When the, In the beginning stages, they are all seers. Mm-hmm. And they can report accurately what they see. Mm-hmm. The ones who are any good report accurately what they see. Mm-hmm. After you can learn to report what you see... God gives you what we call a message. And this is where you discern the true and the false. Take a divide right here. Is in the message area. Because we have many people who are running around. Trying to carry the burden and the responsibility of a mature prophet. And they have not matured enough yet to receive a message from God. But they can see. So the gift of prophecy works and can work very accurately in some people who are relatively immature in God. Because that's the first budding, I would say, of the seed of the mature prophet is the gift of the seer. And so they can prophesy accurately, can tell you everything you think, everything you said, and everything that, you know, can you report what you see? And many times they can report very accurately what they see because they've trained themselves. Their spirit's been trained to stay with what God shows them and they don't deviate from it. Those people are sometimes a little fun to have around because they tell people stuff you don't have the nerve to tell them. And you say, well, look at that. (laughs) That saved me a lot of trouble. (laughs) And so when God checks them off on that skill, then he moves them to other ones. So there's a skill set for the watchman and for the prophet. So that, But that first one is to know what they see and discern what they see and accurately report what they see. After that, God will move you into greater understanding and beginning to interpret what you see in relation to what God wants to have happen. So if you see that people people have kicked prayer out of school, you know, you have to understand it from God's perspective and what does God want. Well, God wants peace and order. If that means putting prayer back in, then that's what we've got to do. But it really... To be honest with you, the kind of prayer people were doing was not much prayer. And there aren't that many schools that really did pray. You understand during the prayer time or, you know, a lot of public schools. We never had prayer in my school, in public school. We did the Pledge of Allegiance and that was about it. And so this business of kicking prayer out of schools, I think, has been magnified to be have more impact than what it really has but what it signaled was the respect of people for speaking out blatantly against God in the public forum that's that's really more what that movement did it did more 
to put a a sanction on people who are against God and against morality being heard. And so that gave them a greater voice <clears throat> and a greater audience. And so if you're if you're stuck in prayer in schools, you may be praying and praying and praying to get prayer back. It may never happen. But I tell you what, we can have peace in schools and we can have order in schools and we can have respect for authority and respect for for laws in school. We can have that. And so the things that we we are struggling and striving over sometimes are not the real issue. So the watchman has to go in and discern in God. You know, now God, people seem to be really upset about this. What is the real issue here? And how do we pray? And what do you want established in this situation? The people who fought against God like that, I mean, I feel sorry for them. You know, number one, um, uh, people who who stand up and will uh, want... Uh, nativity scenes taken away and all that kind of stuff those people meet with a horrible end i mean they come to no good end whatsoever so it's the fool who said in his heart there is no god and and he will die the death of a fool if somebody doesn't intervene and enlighten him and so it goes beyond just getting a law change and getting stuff back the way it used to be you know we're not in the business of rearranging furniture here but we're in the business of establishing light in the earth and establishing God's order. So the first one of the first functions when, when God does mature a prophet and gives them a message, there must be something that God has given you to declare to his people. Every prophet has a message. Many of the prophets who were called in the 80s were warning believers that they would have to use the word that we were getting, you know, in the word of faith movement teaching. Okay, now we've got the word. What are we going to do with it? So the prophet came to warn the people of God that once they had received the word, received faith in the word, they would have to war with that word. They would have to use that word. In authority and in power and use it as a weapon of warfare. Which most word of faith people think that all you're doing is confessing the word until something happens. And you're dealing with God in most of what you're doing because God's got everything. And if I show him I believe his word he's going to let me have it. But that's only a small portion of what the word of faith does. The word must be a weapon because we have an enemy who has stolen most everything that's precious on this earth. He's stolen men's souls. He's stolen resources. He's stolen everything. So that's why the Bible tells you that violent people can take the kingdom by force. It says the kingdom lets you do this. It's permissible in God's kingdom to take stuff by force. Hmm? Why? Because the one who took it, took it in a forceful way. He doesn't pull any punches and you've got to have something to match what he does. And so many of the prophets during the 80s and the early 90s began to speak on warfare. And watching. And being steadfast. So they were really setting up law enforcement for God's kingdom 
in a way that had never been set up before. And that is the ordinary believer now has the authority to move in boldness and power to declare the principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God. That's the call of the watchman and to do it on a consistent basis and to know that what you are doing is an assignment from God. So this put a totally different spin on prayer and intercession because it wasn't just you praying for your needs but there began to be an assignment made for you to pray now this is something that's totally foreign to church people because they want to believe that God just lets you do what you want to do and you're here in church to learn a little something so you can get your needs met and after your needs are met it's over but then God began to make assignments to people and assign watches to them and to hold them accountable for it so we have Habakkuk 2.1 to sit down and write what God tells you how easy is that huh is that hard I tell people that prayer manual all the prayers that that we got for that prayer manual 90% of them were given to me in the span of two weeks I wasn't pulling hair out of my head I wasn't trying to pray and fast and you know I just sat and wrote by unction. Hmm? See, if God really wants you to do something for him, folks, he's not going to make it real hard for you. Because the hard stuff has already been paid. By the time he sits you down and gives you an assignment, you paid the price already. Where you know how to pay attention. And you know his voice from any other voice. And you choose to follow that one first. The difference between the called and the ready and the wannabes is they've been trained to respond to his voice first. God tells me to do something, I drop everything and do it. Y'all know what I'm saying? You don't play around and, well, you know, God's been dealing with, uh uh-uh. That word has never come out of my mouth. I listen to people. I say, what are they talking about? Dealing with them. He tells me what to do. I do it. There's no dealings here. Like we playing cards or something. No. You you either obey or you don't obey. You don't obey, he leave you alone. You don't want to be left alone. <laughs> Not from God, you don't. So our call then becomes to get assignment from God and to keep the assignment. Hmm? Period. That's it. How simple is that? Hmm? People spend years in military service trying to get this kind of discipline that God can give you. You know, you seen some of the stuff they do? Huh? I watch the military channel. 
I mean, push-ups, sit-ups, you, mean, you, you know, you are a totally different person physically, mentally, every kind of way by the time that people are done with you. If you make it through. And if you don't, you know, straighten up, you get whacked. You know, they say goodbye to you and <laughs> forget it. They don't shed a tear. God puts that same discipline in the people he calls. He cannot work with a bunch of undisciplined you know, we like to sing songs about being soldiers and putting on the whole armor of God. You know, those songs we used to sing, they don't sing them no more. You know, everybody's scared of them songs now. We don't even know what song to sing now. And so, you know, that that discipline has to come. But by the time he gives you an assignment, that's all been worked out of you. And he knows that you will obey him first and forget about everything else. I used to say stuff to God, well, you got to tell my husband. He said, listen, if I need to tell him, I will. If I don't, I won't. But you get up and do what I tell you to do. Then hmm? he finally made me understand that he didn't need anybody's permission to tell me to do nothing. Hmm? So things like that, you got to get the play out of you. You got to get the kid out of you. If you're going to be a leader for God, you got to get the junk out of you. You got to get the the desire to finally have a husband and a big wedding. Cuz it might cost you your ministry. See, y'all need to know this because there's a lot of people playing out there trying to blow your mind with who they are. And they haven't even passed the grade of basic maturity in God. That's why they get up there. They blow up. They grow up real fast and blow up real fast. Because they never got the discipline in God to put things in godly order. And when God says do something, you move. When he, If he don't tell you, you stay put. At least that much discipline. Too many people being moved by their emotions. And moved by their souls to be effective for God. And they are the most surprised when stuff blows up. And that's a sad part because they've lost discernment somewhere along the way. But God has a people. Honey, he had, trust me, all this stuff you see is going to blow over. And then the real people of God who are functioning now will continue to function. Because there is always a kingdom within a kingdom. There's a church within a church. There is a people within every body of believers that is called out and sold out to God. And they don't want to do anything but obey God. Hmm? That's my desire. I could care less about money things. I'd like a lot of money just because I'd like to have a lot of money. But you know what? I ain't spending a whole lot of time praying for it. And I ain't spending a whole lot of time going looking for it and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's nice and that's wonderful. But I've just made up my mind, folks, from a long time ago, that if God's not in it, I don't want to be a part of it. See, this is a waste of time. If he's not leading it, what am I involved in it for? I belong to God. 
And that's how the watchman has to be totally sold out to the purpose of God, to the plan of God, to the timing of God, to the works of God in your life. If he's not moving me to get involved in something, I just say, well, it's not time yet. I'm not ready yet. Just keep working, God. You know, I'll get around to it. I'll just trust you for it. What else can you do? But see, the day for people going pulling at things and striving for them is long gone because they blow up very quickly when you're anointed by God. You can be a, a, a household word one day and the next day nobody knows you. Huh? Simply because. And so if you want to continue in God, that is part of the price. Is whatever he tells you to do, you do it and you do it first. And you don't worry about the fallout. Hmm? And if you've got things in your heart that are pushing in on you to the fact where you push God out, you've got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because we are sold out to the purpose of God on this earth. That's what the watchman is here for. And that's what God is grooming us for. For the time and the season and the day where you will get the legitimate television offer. You don't have to beat up a congregation to bring money so you can get on there because you tell them God told you to do it. Where you can get there and you have God's message and you can put it out there and you can let God handle his business. You have to have respect that way for God's business. Why don't we stop? Well, Father, we thank you for allowing us again to come into your presence and to understand spiritual things. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing that is in your word. And we thank you also, Lord, for this time for us to go out witnessing, for us to be a blessing to people, and for us to come forth with uh, souls that want to come to this church and that want to be blessed and that want to be saved and want to be healed. I thank you, Father. To touch each person here, I thank you, Lord, to put in their path people who need this ministry that we have to avail them them of here today. And I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. You know, the Lord's reminding me to remind you that if you will pray and ask him to put those people out there before you go out there and get a bunch of no's, do that first. And then he will, you won't be wasting your time just going to people who don't want. But, you know, do that first and don't let it be an afterthought, but let it be your first thought. That God can move those people even now into your path. So everybody do that before you leave here, all right? Okay. Anybody need prayer? Come on up. I'll pray for you.